Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Howdy, mountain bikers, and welcome to episode number 39 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. Thanks so much for being here, and I am here to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get out in the trails, keep you stoked and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. So thanks for downloading, tuning in, listening, whatever way you may be doing it. It's all gravy, peeps. It's all good, all good. So today, before we go on to the show, we have a few offers in line for you. So first of all, I want to just let you know about the Dava Enduro. So if you want a free entry to the Dava Enduro worth up to £40, just simply subscribe to the podcast. Now remember to check your email to confirm your subscription. When you subscribe, there'll be another email sent to you just for you to click on and to say that you're signing up to the MTB Tribe podcast. You just click on that, it confirms your, um, your subscription. Then go to the contact page and send me a short email including your name and that you want to win a free entry to the Dava Enduro. It's that simple. And if you're already a subscriber, just drop me an email via the contact page on the website and let me know the same. I will then randomly pick a winner on the 10th of June and let you know if you are the lucky winner via email on the 11th. So it's that easy, folks. You can also check out the Dava Enduro Facebook page for more details. So good luck on that. And for the people that have already entered, Good luck, thanks for doing that, and I hope you are the lucky winner of a Dava Enduro entry. Great comp, great day, great weekend, it's, it's good to be there, and um, I'm sure Michael and the organisers there will be will be happy to see you there. Now, there's only about a day left of this, so you, you have to get on it, but we are giving 20% off Broken Riders gear with MTB Tribe. Um, it ends on the 8th of June at midnight, so... You have to get on this quick if you want it. So if you want some cool gear for your after ride, really environmentally friendly. They were on the podcast last week, Tom, the founder. So he's put this offer in for you guys. So to claim your your 20% off, simply enter the following code at checkout. That's MTB Tribe, all one word spelt M-T-B-T-R-I-B-E. And as I say, that ends on the 8th at midnight so you need to go on that if you're going to go there and get yourself some cool goodies now on to today's show folks and today we have seb rogers founder owner and editor of cranked magazine now i'm really pleased this is our first magazine on the show now if you've never got your hands on a copy of cranked you're missing out It's a bumper mountain bike magazine, almost a coffee book style. Um, And as Seb likes to put it, it's intentionally different. So we chat about how Crank came to life, why it is different and why it has been such a success. And also find out how to get a free Cranked t-shirt as well. So there's that offer also. I'm just bombarding you guys with the offers this week. But the Dava ones was only on till the 10th. And the, the Broken Riders is only on to the 8th, so you need to get on them. This one's last a wee bit longer. Um, so we chat to Seb about why he wanted to start the Mountain Bike magazine, how it went from idea to product, the team that helps him at Cranked, how he works with contributors. And if you want to get your stories on Cranked, we also chat to Seb about how you go about that. We chat about the growth he's experienced over the last year, 
Seb's favourite interview. We get into a lot of stuff. It is an absolute awesome episode and Seb's such a cool guy. It was so cool to get him, get him on the show. So folks, if you want to follow Seb, you can check out the show notes as well. All the info's there, all the contacts are there and links to Seb. Now, keep your ears peeled after the show and I will let you know how you can get your hands on a free cranked t-shirt. But for now, let's welcome Seb to the MTB Tribe Podcast. Hi Seb, how you doing? Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast. It's awesome to have you on the show. How's things with you today, sir? Hi Gareth, it's it's great to be here. No, it's uh, it's all sunny here. The trails are dry, so nothing to complain about. Wow, wow. And where do you actually live, Seb? So um, I'm based, and, and the magazine uh, is based just south of Bristol, um, at the foot of the Mendip Hills. Um, so I can ride out of my front door and be on the trails in five minutes. Oh wow, that makes things nice, eh? Yeah, it's not bad. I can't complain. <laughs> so do, do you do like work or rides and all that kind of stuff? Go for lunch for, for a ride and things like that? You know, it's uh, it's funny. Since I set up the magazine just over three years ago, um, I have ridden far, far less than I would like to. Yeah. Uh, it's an ongoing um, bone of contention with myself, really. Um, uh, it's just there's always something that needs doing and my riding has definitely suffered. I'm, I'm working on it all the time. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? That, that whole scenario, this, some people would say, if you really enjoy something, don't make it, you know, don't make it your work or whatever, because you'll find you do less of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I messed up on multiple fronts there really, because, um, I've, I've always been into photography as well. And this is, I mean, that's how I, really got into this whole magazine lark in the first place um and uh uh so yeah photography riding bikes you know it's mm-hmm. it's become the way i earn my living and um uh it's a fantastic way to to earn your living but uh yeah do i take pictures for fun not so much now mm. um family snaps that kind of thing and riding yeah i mean you know um i just it's just squeezing it in um you know i love it just as much as i always did but yeah, it's quite common in the bike industry to find that, uh, you know, people, the more enmeshed people get with it, the less actual riding they have time to do. Yeah, yeah, it's quite sad. And it's funny because I was looking over, I was looking over the article you put up online about your mission statements. And there was a wee thing in there about riding bikes and riding more often. Yeah. Um, is that something you're actively trying to do there within Cranked? Yeah, I mean, um, to, to the extent that, uh, to the extent that, that, that you know that there is a sort of a, a purpose behind cranked it's to it it is to um enthuse people about riding bikes because i mean you know i know we're preaching to the converted here but riding bikes is fantastic isn't it mm. um there are there are almost no downsides to riding bikes um so um whereas in my previous role as a, a writer and photographer for various other uh, bike magazines um, there may have been a more sort of explicit thing there about um, uh, talking more, writing more about products, um, mm. specific products and product reviews and that kind of thing. Um, with Cranked, I think it's more it's more an ephemeral thing. You know, it's uh, um, yeah, it's just just sort of stoking that enthusiasm. I yeah. think readers, you know, they don't they don't need persuading that riding bikes is a great idea. But there's something nice about um, reading about what other people have done um, that just makes you want to go out there and do it more. Yeah, it's beautiful. And uh, um, 
I have your magazine here. I have issue 13 here in front of me. And it's very much, yes, it's a mountain bike magazine, obviously, but it's very much a lifestyle kind of magazine, which is lovely to see. Yeah, I mean, it's. Um, I think one of the uh, one of the challenges that um, we've had um, persuading people uh, that there's still value in a print magazine is that um, print magazines um, have had a bit of a a bit of a bad press in a way mm. the last few years. Um, it, it's no secret that um, print is struggling. Newspapers are dying on their feet and. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of magazines are struggling as well. Um, and so when you say to someone, yeah, we've got this great new magazine and it's really different, you know, their eyes have glazed over before you finish the sentence. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think, you know, really, um, I did, when when I set up Cranked, I did think about calling it a journal, but that seemed a bit too, it, it seemed a bit too precious, really. Mm. I, you know, I wanted it to be accessible. You know, I, I want as many people as possible to relate to it. Um, so it is a magazine, but it kind of isn't because you've got it there in front of you. You know, you you can feel it's really heavy. It's really high quality paper. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's enough in there to keep you going for, um, well, a long time. There's there's, a, there's over 30,000 words in each issue. There's a lot mm-hmm. to read. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm looking now. There's 130 pages in this in this issue. 140 it should be 140 is it yeah sorry 140 pages you're right um beautiful beautiful gloss finish really nice quality as you say um yeah it is a gorgeous magazine and it's very different to what else is out there did you go down that route pacific to do something different yeah very much so um I, i mean before i set up cranked i was a freelance writer and photographer for well, pretty much all the uh, UK-based mountain bike mags um, for 19 years. I mean, I, I started doing this in 1996. Yeah, wow. Um, and um, I thought there was a gap in the market. I thought there was a gap in the market for, for something for something different, something um, – and I hesitate to say this because it sounds a bit um, – um, sounds a bit arrogant, but uh, and it's not meant to be. But something a, a little bit higher quality. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted, I wanted to create a magazine that I wanted to sit down and read. And given that I've been writing um, mountain bike um, features and product reviews and and, and all sorts um, for nearly twenty years before I set up Cranked, that sets the bar quite high because my my boredom threshold is quite high. Um, so um, when I sat down to think about it um i realized that that the key to a really engaging magazine is storytelling and storytelling you know goes back way beyond magazines it goes obviously way back beyond podcasts and that kind of thing people have been telling stories around the fire for you know tens of thousands of years um you know it's as old as humanity and the best stories are often the stories that are sort of first-hand stories, you know. Um, so I decided to make Cranked very people-focused, and I, th- I think that's something that's been missing um, from um, bike journalism um, for a long time. Um, so it's very, it's very people-focused. I mean, people people race bikes, people crash bikes, um, people go on adventures, um, they um, in, you know invent new products, new ways of doing things, and there's always a story to tell. And if you take the time to ask the right questions and listen to what they have to say, 
sometimes you can sort of get behind the the gloss and the um, uh, you know the, the sort of constant churn of um, PR and advertising that the that the bike industry uh, churns out, which you know it, it yeah. has a right to do. Um, but it's nice to get behind that to the people who are actually uh, at the coalface, as it were, because one of the nice things about the bike industry is the people are great. You know, we're all we're all in the bike industry because we love bikes. We love riding bikes. Um, so that's, that's really, that's really it. You know, people is, uh, sorry, cranked is really people focused. Um, and I think that's why, um, it comes across as different. It's supposed to be, it's intentional. Yeah, no. And I think you've definitely achieved that. It is, it is a, a beautiful, a beautiful magazine now. So let's talk a wee bit about it. It comes out every three months. Yeah. Four times a year. Um, that's about um, that's about all we can uh, cope with uh, mm-hmm. in terms of keeping the uh, keeping the quality high, which is uh, uh, you know which is important. The other thing here is that um, people have got used to magazines coming out every month. Actually, it's been every four weeks for as long as I can remember, um, because a while ago the publishers worked out that they could squeeze an extra issue in every year without anybody really noticing. Um, uh, and that was that was relevant before the days of the internet. I, you know, uh, in the nineties, I used to avidly go and get my copy of MBUK um, every four weeks because that's how you found out about new stuff and what was going on. Um, but you know, obviously, uh, we've got daily updates now. Uh, everybody knows what's going on straight away. So once every three months is about right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Certainly. And. Uh... Yeah, and it's nice to get a bumper. I think it's nice to get a, a bumper magazine like that that you can, you know, it's almost like a coffee, almost like a coffee book or a coffee table book, if you know what I, I mean. You can set it down there and you can go back to it. And I was never one for reading a magazine from start to finish. I'll, I'll go to the, I'll go to something that is more of more of an interest to myself personally and read that first, and then you know I'll go through it that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a real nice magazine to do that. So, when you started, Seb, was it your idea to start the magazine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a hundred percent my idea. Uh, I, yeah, I own the magazine. It's uh, it's it's completely independent. Um, yeah, yeah, oh, all brilliant. My fault, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you, well, well, tell us, tell us some of the conversations you would have had at that time when you were validating this idea in your head. Because I'm sure people are saying, magazine, really? You know. Um, yeah, I, I've never been, per, pers- on a personal level, I've never been one to follow the crowd. Um, in fact, I tend to, uh, I've always tended to sort of figure out what everybody else is doing and then kind of try and find a way of avoiding doing that at all costs. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, uh, the obvious thing might have been to set up a website or some kind of online thing um but yeah i don't i, I yeah i don't like obvious um um yeah i mean I, I think i did have a fair few conversations with people in the bike industry i think there was a there was a little bit of consternation i i think that um so if we go back to late 2014 was when i was starting to think seriously about this mm-hmm. Uh, and starting to to sound out a few opinions, and 
all the other bike magazines, all the other bike print magazines were, you know, had, had, had suffered declining sales for, you know, several years. And, and that, that trend has continued. Um, and so I think that, um, you know, a lot of people were, weren't convinced, but I, I could see this gap in the market. And I, I mean, all the things that you've picked up on the fact that it's more like a coffee table book, um, uh, you know, um, and it, I get a lot, we get a lot of feedback from, from readers who say that it's the only magazine that they've ever read cover to cover. Mm. Um, and that's great because that's what I'm aiming for. I'm aiming for something that people want to come back to. It's not, it's not really designed to be, I mean, obviously it is recyclable, but most people seem to end up putting it on their bookshelf. Yeah. And that's great. Uh, and I, hopefully that's part of its appeal because I want to, I want to create something that people will want to keep coming back to. It's supposed to have, uh, you know, a sort of a, a timeless sort of quality to it. And it, I think one of the things that gave me the confidence to, to go for it is that, Although the mass market has moved online, and I don't see it coming back to print anytime soon, there is a growing interest in um, independent, high-quality print, and it goes alongside trends like um, uh, a, a bit of a sort of move back towards vinyl records, for example, mm, yeah. um, or even locally grown food, bought in farmers' markets, that kind of thing. I mean, it's a little bit of a sort of a it's a little bit of a sort of a middle class thing, I suppose, but mountain biking is really at root is a, you know, middle class hobby. So, um, I think it sort of fits alongside all those sorts of things quite well. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And you know, it's like you say, it is a magazine you won't recycle. I don't think, you know, it's the kind of thing you'll have three or four lying on your coffee table, Yeah. you know, and you'll just go back to one that you've maybe read cover to cover and read an article again or something that maybe interests you at that time. You know, it's very much that that kind of feel about it, which is awesome. Yeah, and I think getting getting that across to people has has been one of the big challenges because um, obviously we've got a, a website and you can you can jump onto the website and and buy a copy or buy a subscription or buy a back issue. We've we've got most back issues still in stock. We've sold out of two or three of them, I think. But um, but. Again, it's, it comes back to the point I was making earlier that you say magazine to people and there are a lot of people, their eyes immediately glaze over. And I think, you know, I, I've tried, uh, well, I think I hope we've successfully addressed the, the sorts of grumbles that people have about mainstream magazines. And, I mean, I don't necessarily, I, this isn't a value judgment on, on, on the other magazines out there, but the sorts of things that people complain about are things like, um, repetitive content, you know, that you see the same type of feature mm-hmm. come around every 18 months or two years or, 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 or so. Um, and then um, people have this perception that product, re- good product review scores are paid for by buying advertising. Mm-hmm. And, then, uh, and then as a sort of a sort of jumping on from that, um, people get fed up with feeling that they're paying for a, um, a a magazine that's essentially half catalogue and full of adverts. Um, and then w- one of the things I've noticed is that um, publishers have, uh, because they're seeing fewer and few, fewer people buying magazines, they're having to cut costs. And so the, the paper has got cheaper and cheaper. And some of the some of the magazines out there, the paper's practically transparent now. Yeah. Um, so I, I think we've successfully addressed all those complaints. Um, you know, we... When uh, uh, when we, that's me and Crank's uh, designer, um, Jonathan Bacon, 
when we went to the printers to choose the paper that we wanted, we spent half a day there obsessing over different paper choices. We were looking at the print quality and we were looking at how it felt and even how it smelled. Um, <laughs> then, then I, so we chose the one we wanted and then I said to the printer, right, we're going to have, um, you know, 132, it's going to be 132 pages or, or whatever. How much is that going to cost us? Uh, and the printer came back with a price and then I did my sums and that's how we ended up with Crank costing £10 a copy. Now, most publishers will do it the other way around. They say, okay, well, this has got to go on the shelves at £4.75 or whatever. So, mm-hmm cheap can we get the paper and so you know that's just one example of how i'm trying to do things differently uh, uh at cranked you know i think people if they hear a magazine they see the cover price 10 pounds and immediately they're running away um but until you've actually picked up a copy and read it um it's not going to be for everybody but anybody who uh buys a copy of cranked and decides after reading it that it isn't worth the cover price i will happily refund them yeah and you know it's funny you do you do see and, and it's plain it's some plain sample you know 10 pounds on the front you do see that and you think wow that's dear for a magazine but i think you're right you know once you if you lift the thing and actually feel it and see how much content's in there 10 pounds a really really reasonable reasonable price for what you're getting in my opinion yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I think it stands up well next to other magazines. There's there is a lot more to read in there than uh, the, you, you know your average five pound magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the reasons for that is that it's not full of adverts. We actually we actually have we we, we don't shout about it, but we actually have uh, a limit on advertising. Um, so it's fifteen percent of the total number of pages. And the issue you've got in front of you, issue 13, we actually went, because uh, our normal um, issue size is 132 pages, we went over our 15% limit for issue 13, so we added eight more pages. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, and, you know, if, if we get to the point where we're so successful that we're selling more and more ads, Cranked will just get thicker and thicker and thicker. There is never going to be more than 15% of the total pages in ads. Yeah. Uh, so you know that's that's part of it as well yeah brilliant and you started it slightly different you you started a kickstarter campaign yeah um actually <laughs> we uh we had the funding to to go ahead with and print issue one anyway um so kickstarter was um uh, um it wasn't essential. We could have gone ahead without it, um, but it raised um, it raised the magazine's profile before we'd even launched, which was fantastic. Um, and uh, we had uh, amazing support um, when we launched on Kickstarter. Uh, the funding goal we set was to pay for the first thousand copies to be printed, mm-hmm. um, and we reached that funding goal in four and a half hours. Wow. Uh, which was yeah wow um i didn't expect that that was incredible and we had a we had we allocated a certain number of subscriptions to sell um on kickstarter and we'd sold out of those within 24 hours as well and it just kept going i mean you know we we we, the campaign ran for i think it was 28 days and we raised um you know far more than we actually needed all of which went back into into the magazine um 
so it's great but but it meant that by the time that we actually launched um lots of people were eagerly awaiting it i i got a lot of messages after we sold out of the initial batch of subscriptions saying oh no i wanted to subscribe what am i going to do <laughs> i i i I'd sort of pretty much had a standard email that i sent back saying you know don't worry <laughs> there are going to be plenty of subscriptions but we only had a limited number to sell you know at that at that introductory price so mm. um, and how did that make you feel as the founder of this and an editor and you know this is your baby how did that make you feel that you had that kind of reaction that really really great response well um i it was very exciting and i was very honored that um people were were, were so excited about it um and it gave me a certain amount of confidence that um that there was that gap in the market that i'd um identified i mean since then, um, you know, Crank is three years old now. Last year, uh, Crank grew, uh, it's, I forget the actual figure, but it's something like 48%. Um, now, I'm pretty sure that makes it the fastest growing print magazine in the UK market in 2017. Wow. Uh, we're, we're not a member of the um, Audit Bureau uh, circulation, the ABC um it's very expensive to 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 be a member and that's the sort of gold standard by which magazines sort of measure their performance against each other through through the course of a year so i can't you know i'm not in a position to prove those figures um but but um i yeah i mean you know that 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 did happen and uh um so uh you know um we're we're in it for the long haul we're not not going away anytime soon yeah no good stuff good stuff and were you working at any other magazine at that time, Seb, when you launched Cranked? Um, I uh, no, I, I sort of uh, I'd been um, freelancing. I freelanced for, as I said earlier, all the bike magazines over the years, um, mostly for What Mountain Bike and uh, MBUK. Um, I was um, I, I've worked for MBR. I've worked for Single Track. I've worked for Dirt. Um, and some magazines that have long since folded, like um, ooh, Maximum Mountain Bike, um, MTB Pro, Mountain Bike World. There's probably a couple of others that I've forgotten about as well. Um, mm-hmm. Total Mountain Bike. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, and um, But before I, I launched Cranked, I, I told the guys at um, What Mountain Bike and MBUK, um, who were my you know, main clients at the time, uh, what I was doing, and I just said, "Well, this is what I'm going to be doing." Um, and so, you know, I'm obviously I'm not going to be working for you guys anymore. And you know, it's fine. I had a really good working relationship with them. I don't think that what we're doing at Cranked isn't in direct competition with any other print magazine out there. It it, it sits on its own. So, you know, it's it's fine. It's all good. Yeah, and were they supportive of your move? Um. I don't know. You'd have to ask them. <laughs> um, they didn't give you a gold watch or anything for leaving and nothing like that. No. Well, um, no, I'd been freelancing for 19 years, but as a freelancer, you, uh, you know, you, you know, they, you, you, you don't really qualify for the gold watch. <laughs> yeah. 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 Totally. Um, so, you know, your magazine's successful. It's running out of the blocks. What does that tell you about mountain biking? Do you think mountain biking is growing? And you know, you're saying that the magazine was had the biggest growth um, of of print in seventeen. 
do you do you think that tells us something good about mountain biking? I think mountain biking's always been um, uh, a success in its own right, and it's survived. Um, it survived some difficult times before. I mean, I <laughs> I've been riding mountain bikes long enough to remember the um, recession in the early 1990s and the dot com bust uh, 2000 2001 um, and of course the banking crisis 2007-2008 and through each of those um, uh, financial um, disasters not quite the right word but I mean you know people were having to tighten their belts Mm. and mountain biking has survived that unscathed Um, it also survived um, the foot and mouth um, crisis in 2001 when the whole of the UK countryside was shut down for however six months or or whatever so um, I mean mountain biking I think you know mountain biking's got legs I I know that uh, road has been the you know the the fashionable thing over the last few years Um, and road has seen enormous growth, which I, I'm, you know, as, as we've we've gone past peak road now. Um, uh, whether those people who've who've discovered road riding are going to stay with it or not, I don't know. I hope they do. Um, mountain biking, in terms of uh, in terms of sales, has been flat-ish or thereabouts for a, for a long time. I'm, I'm told by friends in the bike industry, you know, this this is why we've seen um, a lot of um technological churn um literally reinventing the wheels the the wheel two or three times over the last decade uh mm-hmm. you know uh, 26 to 29 and then 650b you know and the plus sizes and uh uh and so on and so forth and uh um you know with my cynics head on some of that at least is driven by the need to to drive new sales um because mountain bikes are so good now um that you know, it's a question of creating a want for a new bike. Well, nobody yeah. needs a new bike. They're brilliant. Yeah. But but all of us from time to time want a new bike, um, uh, I, you know, and it's the bike industry's job to, to keep driving that desire. Um, so I think, you know, mountain biking is in good shape. Um, the other thing I've noticed is that there are a lot of people like me um, who have stuck with the sport Um you know, through their 20s, 30s, 40s and beyond. And I don't think that's going to change either. Um, and e-bikes, love them or hate them, um, e-bikes are going to allow uh, older riders to keep riding way beyond where they mm. would perhaps previously have had to give up. Uh, I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny you say that because I actually had my first go on an e-bike over the weekend there. Yeah. And, you know, I, I always thought they had their place, certainly. Yeah. But you know what? I would kind of challenge anybody to have a blast in an e-bike and not have a smile on their face afterwards. <laughs> That's been my experience, too. Um, there's been an awful lot of um, uh, an awful lot of anger out there, particularly on the Internet. Uh, I mean, it's been, you know, it, it's become quite the thing over the last two or three years uh, hasn't it for the internet to be driving divisions you know far mm. more than 
than previously, and that that applies to all sorts of things like politics as well. But um, we've certainly seen it with e-bikes. But, but my experience is the same as yours. You, you, you persuade someone who's not sure to go and have a blast on an e-bike, and they will come back with a grin on their face, and they might well say, "Fun, but not for me." And that's entirely fair enough. Yeah. Um, but I I agree with you. I, I think they're I think they're great fun. I think that. Um, if there are issues to be ironed out and there are some, there are some niggles around um, preventing them from being tampered with uh, and that sort of thing. But, you know, we can find ways around that. I, I know people uh, who would have had to give up riding by now were it not for the fact that, you know, an e-bike has allowed them to keep riding, even though they've had, you know, multiple heart operations or or whatever it is. That's great. Um, Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. No, certainly. And, you know, when we were out, we met a group of girls that hadn't been on bikes for years and they were out just on fire roads on, on the electric bikes and yeah. loving it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So why not? Why not? Um, can we talk a wee bit about building crank then and the growth of the magazine? Yeah, sure. So for the likes of myself that has no idea how you would go about building a team to work on a magazine and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell us, after you got your funding and the magazine was launched, what size of team did you have at that time? Well, uh, the, the team that I've got now is the same size as the uh, as the team that I had then. Um, uh, the only full-time employee um, of Cranked is me, um, and um, everybody else on the team is freelance. Um, so um, I have... Um, Jonathan Bacon, who uh, is the uh, fantastic designer, who the designer doesn't really do his um, job description justice at all. Um, his his sort of involvement in the magazine and the um, the, uh, the 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 lengths to which he goes uh, to make the magazine the cohesive whole that it is are uh, mm-hmm. extraordinary. And you know, um, I'm I'm very lucky to to have him on board. And then we've got Sam Urquhart, who um, does the um, uh, uh, web side of things. Um, we've got Jonathan Briggs, who does clever stuff with the photos to make sure that they print as well in the mag as they look on the screen. Um, and then um, uh, behind it all, uh, in the background, um, as consultant editor, um, we've got Tim Manley, Um and Tim, for anybody who uh, is not familiar, is the founding editor of Mountain Biking UK. Uh, he founded it in the late 80s when mountain biking was just a, um, a, a sort of a slightly weird thing that um, windsurfers and fell runners and, and climbers did in their in their time off. Yeah. And he he saw the potential and he uh, he launched MBUK and it became an enormous success. Um, uh, anyway, I've, I've learnt more from um, uh, Tim about um, editing magazines over the years than probably from any, anybody else. So it seemed only right that he, uh, he he should be consultant editor. Yeah, very good. So you've built a strong team. Did you get them people from your background within the industry? Well, one of the advantages of being freelance for so long is that I, I pretty much knew all the other freelancers. So um, I... Uh, I mean, the people I've mentioned are, are the core team behind 
the magazine, but there is also a, a sort of ever-shifting collective of um, talented writers and photographers and riders who who create the content that we publish. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, it's definitely an advantage being, um, uh, you know, a, a freelancer for so long because, I, you know, I, I knew a lot of these guys already. Um, so I could uh, drop them a line and say, you know, I'm launching a new magazine. This is the this is the kind of direction I want to take it in. Um, got any ideas? Um, so, um, you know, it's a, there's a constant ongoing conversation between me and uh, all these writers and photographers out there who are out there around the world, uh, you know, in different places at any given time, uh, and coming back with great stories. Um, yeah. And my rule of thumb for any potential contributors out there, my rule of thumb for Cranked is if you've got a story that you think would fit in any of the other bike magazines out there, I'm probably not interested. But if you've got a, a story that you think's interesting that you can't think of a home for, Drop me a line. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Because I, I, I was going to ask you that, um, and I was going to ask you to tell us a wee bit about your contributors and how that process works. Um, so do you have go-to contributors, or is it, uh, you know, like you say, if somebody has something they they feel that you may be interested in, is is just a part of getting in contact with yourself? Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 a bit of one and bit and a bit of the other um and um i still uh because of my background and because i enjoy the process of um putting together a story and and meeting people and and taking photos and talking to them and then writing it all up um i still do a bit of that so there's one or two features in each issue which are are just down to me um and um, for the rest of it, um, sometimes I'll have an idea and I'll have a particular contributor in mind who I think might might make a really good job of it. So I'll contact them and um, and commission them to do it. Um, other times people come to me with ideas. Sometimes they need a little bit of refining. I mean, I I've got to be honest. I I probably reject ninety percent of of the ideas that come my way, um, but that's because um, most of them haven't put it through that filter that I just um, that I was just talking about will this fit in another magazine yeah. if the answer is yes I'm probably not interested I get a, I get a lot of sort of what I would call sort of quite generic ideas and I'm not I mean, you know cranked it is different I'm asking people to pay 10 pounds for a magazine and so it's very very important that it isn't just um, a magazine like all the other magazines on some nice paper with a £10 price tag on the front. You know, it's important that people can see that we're putting in the effort behind the scenes to come up with stuff that you will not see anywhere else Um, because there's even great content on the internet these days. You know, the web content is a bit variable. Um, Some of it's pretty dire, but there is some really good stuff out there as well. And, you know, I'm realistic about this. I have to compete with that. So uh, it's really, really important that the quality is exceptional all the time. Yeah, and do you find it hard to get the content that you're looking for? Uh, no, um, no. I well, do I find it hard? Uh, it doesn't exactly fall into my lap, but actually, I enjoy that. I enjoy <laughs> enjoy that. I enjoy that process, and I haven't had 
a single issue yet where I've I've been struggling. Um, I don't work massively in advance. So some magazine editors will plan out a year's worth of issues ahead of time, and they'll pretty much have mm, 75, 80, 85% of the pages pre-allocated to to features and product reviews and that kind of thing. They'll know what they're doing for a year. I don't, and um, that's good because it means I can react quickly uh, if an interesting story comes along. Um, So, uh, you know, it seems to work. Um, And it it keeps all of us on our toes. And it means that um, we never really, I I don't know exactly, I've got a vague idea what's going to be in the next issue, which is due out early August. But I'm not 100% sure yet. I quite like that. That's quite exciting. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's cool. Well, you can react to what's happening in the industry then, really. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, um, one of the things that um, I've been able to do with Cranked is to cover the kinds of stories that other magazines won't touch for various reasons. We've, we've covered some fairly contentious stuff. So um, we've gone into access issues in a, in a lot of depth. Um, mm-hmm. We've covered um, riding in wilderness areas, true wilderness areas. And we've looked at the the ethics of riding a five grand bike through um, uh, developing countries, you know, where people are existing on, you know, a dollar a day, that sort of thing. We've covered depression. um, And there are, you know, there are a bunch of other, uh, we've covered the environmental impact of of mountain biking, which isn't very pretty, actually. There's Mm. that's wrong with mountain biking in terms of its environmental impact. We're not, we're not, probably as green as we think we are mm-hmm. um and i'm not um i'm not afraid to to cover those subjects and w- you know we'll carry on doing that we'll carry on covering the the difficult subjects because for various reasons whether it's commercial pressures or a fear of um being seen to be negative um the other magazines generally speaking won't won't cover those topics so i think it's important that you know we we as a community of, of mountain bikers um, talk about these things yeah certainly and you know i suppose maybe the reason that other magazines don't cover topics like that is that at the end of it there's no money to be made from that putting that in a magazine is that the way you would look at it or well i think that's certainly the way they see it um mm. i mean i've as a as a freelance contributor i i know the sorts of things that um get um the other magazine editors fired up and it certainly isn't um, a feature on um, how riding mountain bikes can help you um, overcome clinical depression. Um, but yeah. actually, I mean, you know, that feature on depression, um, uh, I commissioned uh, Joe Burt, who's the cartoonist behind Mint Source in MBUK, who uh, mm. you know, a lot of mountain bikers will be familiar with. Um, and I commissioned Joe to do some illustrations for that feature. And uh, it, it was what we did was it was first-hand accounts from various people who had suffered from various forms of depression or anxiety and had for the most part had found that riding had had helped them um and it was very much sort of unvarnished unfiltered um simply people's own accounts of of what had gone on in their lives and uh, how riding bikes had helped them that issue that is probably the single uh, the, the, the feature that, that we've published that has had the most positive feedback 
I, you know, the, the, the response to that was overwhelmingly positive. Yeah. Um, and I was a bit nervous. I have to admit publishing it. Um, and I'm, but I'm glad we did because hopefully it will have helped a few people. Hopefully it will have helped a few people realize that there are other people out there just like them. And I don't think that's negative at all. Um, uh, and I don't think, I think if you go about it in the right way, then tackling difficult subjects doesn't need to be negative. It doesn't need to be gloomy mm-hmm. and it needn't affect sales. Um, but it does depend on how you go about it. I think, you know, we'll just, just try to keep an open mind on crack. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I had a gentleman, Brian on the website or on the podcast who's blind, right? right? And races mountain bikes. Yes. Um, and what amazed me was he showed up to his first enduro race, didn't tell anybody, the marshals, didn't tell anybody that he was blind. Yeah. And raced. And I got him on the on the podcast and on social media, that was the biggest kind of commented podcast episode I have done to date. Yeah. It was just encouraging people, you know, that were maybe thinking... Ah, my, my wrist's sore, I can't go biking or, you know, I'm sitting on the sofa. And it encouraged a lot of people to get out on the trails and go ride. Yeah. And that was absolutely amazing to see that response. Yeah, I think that's right. I think, you know, this is why uh, stories like that um, resonate um, with people, because it, it yeah, it, w- whatever difficulties we're coping with are in our own day to day lives. Yeah. There's always someone who's got it worse. And to see to, to talk to um, someone who has overcome difficulties like that um uh you know and carried on doing what they love is so inspiring how can you not come away from that feeling positive um yeah and that, that's exactly the kind of story that um you know i like to be able to to highlight in cranked uh, yeah no amazing amazing now when i first got in contact with you seb you were um regarding coming on the podcast you were super busy with the new issue release just around the corner what is your schedule like in the run-up to that period uh, so it's a bit it's a bit ridiculous really um I, I, because we, because we publish every four every every three months um there's uh so i suppose uh is it one of them things where it all comes together in the last week kind of thing <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah pretty much and then you've got then you've got a few days respite while it's at the printers and then when it comes back from the printers then there's a there's a whole load more activity um, getting it out to to subscribers and readers and to retailers and issuing invoices uh, to the advertisers and uh, emailing all the contributors to ask them to um, send invoices in and you know it's um, uh, it, it's kind of this very concentrated activity around uh, a few weeks and then it mm-hmm. goes relatively quiet for a little bit and then it all starts again um, but um, I mean, there's never a dull day, <laughs> yeah. you know, and my job is so varied. It's, um, it's absolutely incredible. I mean, I, uh, so f- for each issue, there will be at least one story that I'm doing myself. So I will be, um, researching it, writing it, shooting it. Um, and then, um, I will be liaising with all the other contributors, um, and chasing them for copy and, and pictures and that sort of thing. Um, and, uh, in the middle of all that, I'll be talking to advertisers. Um, 
uh, it was never the plan that I would do um, ad sales. Um, and if we were doing any product reviews, I would, well, I wouldn't do it um, um, because, mm -hmm. because, because it, it wouldn't be, um, it wouldn't look good, uh, let's just say. But because we don't yeah. do product reviews, uh, I, I can I can get away with doing the ad sales. Um, so I do, I'm doing the ad sales as well. And then when, when, when we're in the throes of production, then uh, Jonathan is doing his design thing and I'm liaising with him all the time and I'm sub-editing all the copy. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, you know, it's just it's just one thing. To, you know, I, I wear yeah. many hats. <laughs> yeah, and does Jonathan design the magazine? Yes, he does. How it's laid out and stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, that's very much his baby. And um, he has... He pretty much has free reign on that. Um, um, I I trust his judgment completely, and it's it's actually very rare that I uh, he'll he'll do something and I'll say actually no, please can we check mm -hmm. that? Um, yeah, that's 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 his thing. And does he choose the images? Um, yes, um, he uh, he has first dibs on on choosing the images, um, and then sort of further down the. Further down the line, we'll we'll be having a look at the layout together, and I'll I'll have some input into it then. Um, and again, I mean, if, if I think he's, I mean, for example, in the in issue thirteen, uh, he chose an image to go over a double page spread, which I noticed um, the rider was actually slightly out of focus. And um, uh, being a little bit OCD about things like that, and and you know, with my background as a photographer, I I. I basically vetoed that and said, you can't do mm -hmm. that. And it was, a, you know, it was a nice image. It was a lovely composition and I could see why he'd chosen it, but I'm not, uh, I'm not going to print an out of focus um, image over a double page spread. So. <laughs> and was he all right about that? Uh, he's a bit grumbly, but you know, he's... <laughs> <laughs> um, he could, he could, right. he could see my point. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, there's a story in your blog about, subscribers and stickers and i'm sure you will know <laughs> what i'm talking about yeah um, uh called sticky situation if anybody wants to look it up on your website i i was in tears reading that that was that was brilliant uh now i think it's a great story to explain about the growth of the magazine in a way um so can you tell us what kind of changes like that you had to make when the magazine started to grow because at that stage, you were sitting on the floor packing stickers and sticking on address labels and stuff. Can you tell us a wee bit about that? Yeah, well, when the when the magazine first launched, um, uh, you know, we had uh, we obviously had limited resources, and um, uh, at that stage, for the first few issues, we, the magazine was available in you know, oh gosh, I mean, probably no more than a handful of bike shops, and there was basically people that I knew who ran bike shops. Uh, you certainly couldn't buy it in WH Smith's. Um, and so um, pretty much all the magazines were going out in the post. Um, so we had our subscriber list, which was based on um, the Kickstarter and then, then when we when we launched the magazine. Um, and as I said earlier, you can go onto the website and buy an individual issue. So when, a, when the first few issues came out, we would literally sit on the floor in my living room um, putting magazines in boxes and, and putting address labels on. Um, and I, I set up an, a, a proper business account with the Royal Mail. And lucky I live in a 
small village where the post office is literally just around the corner. So every time um, an issue was printed, um, I would spend two days going around to the post office with sacks. Um, we could only put 16 boxed magazines in each sack because otherwise it went over the Royal Mail's health and safety weight limit per sack, <laughs> which actually gives you some idea of how – uh, of the quality of the paper. Just think about yeah. for a minute. 60, 16 magazines goes wow. over what Royal Mail's health and safety weight limit. Okay, so um, uh, anybody listening to this who's still thinking oh, £10 for a magazine, you know, you, <laughs> you must be joking. Well, that's where the money's going. Um, mm. So, uh, yeah, and we would take round, I don't know, um, 30, 40, 30, 40 sacks over a couple of days. Um, uh, <laughs> It was sort of fun. Uh, it sort of got a bit ridiculous. When, when it got to the point where, you know, it was two full days of two people sitting on my living room floor packing boxes, I, I just thought, no, we've got to, we've got to address this. Um, so we now have a, a distribution partner called Newsstand, and they specialise in, in magazines and particularly in independent magazines like us. Um, they're based in Kent. They have a warehouse and dedicated uh set up where you know they're, they're set up to do this stuff yeah where, where we really weren't <laughs> so so now uh, in fact they've just put in place um overnight packing teams so now uh as recently as six months ago they were saying to us you've got too many subscribers we can't send them all out in one day um which meant that some subscribers were having to wait a little bit longer to get their copies but they newsstand now have overnight packing teams. So even though, you know, our subscriber numbers grow all the time, um, they can, they can get, uh, all the subscriber copies out within 24 hours, which is fantastic. And I certainly couldn't, it would take me a week. So. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty amazing. And so your magazine's available through the website, obviously. Um, and you can subscribe on there. But it's also available in 75 WH Smith stores. Yes, that was something that I try. I, I was keen to try last year, um, and it's gone quite well, actually. Um, I'm hoping that um, the number will continue to grow, but, uh, you know, obviously we, we keep an eye on it. The thing with WH Smith is um, they don't make it easy <laughs> to get yeah. the magazine on the shelves. Um and the way they don't make it easy is it's very expensive to have your magazine on WH Smith's shelves. Um, and that's why I was wary um, for a long time. But we did a trial last year with 50 WH uh, Smith travel branches. So that's in um, airports and railway stations throughout the UK. Um, and it, it went well. Um, I mean, we didn't make a lot of money out of it, but we more than broke even, which was which was my goal for the year. Um, so we added another twenty of twenty five high street branches um, earlier this year. I think that's actually down to eighteen now because W. O. Smith have this um, have this thing where you have to sell a certain number of copies to stay in one of their high street branches. So I think actually it's six, I think it's I think it's now sixty eight, but you know. We'll, we'll we'll keep putting it out there so long as it sells we'll we'll keep putting it out there to make it easier to uh, to get hold of um but you you know w smith has a lot of branches we're not going to be in all of them <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> no certainly and uh as far as your readership goes 
through subscriptions and stuff. Can you tell where your readership is mainly based? Uh, well, off the top of my head, I can't tell you. I mean, um, uh, you know, um, most of our readers are in the UK, but we do have uh, we do have subscribers all over the world. Um, mm-hmm. We ship worldwide. Um, uh, there are some surprising places that Cranked is is popular. Um, uh, we have uh, a fair number of readers in the Netherlands um, and uh, France, Germany, Italy. Um, uh, yeah, it's you know really uh, it it seems to have it seems to have sort of um, struck a chord everywhere. Uh, yeah, the only thing holding holding us back from um, getting it into more hands uh further afield is that uh this comes back to the weight again it is really expensive to send overseas i I mean really expensive and when you buy a subscription the shipping cost is subsidized it's effectively free uh, in the uk so if you subscribe in the uk it's 39 pounds 50 for the year we take care of the uh, uh shipping costs um, and then, um, if you for, for um, European and worldwide subscriptions, we subsidise the cost of the shipping um, to the same extent as, as as we have done the UK ones. So they're, they're more expensive than the UK subscriptions, but we're still subsidising the cost. Um, but but even then, yeah, I mean, it's a worldwide subscription is um, sixty nine fifty. It's not cheap. Um, I'd be the first to admit that. But it costs us more than that to to send the magazine out. So yeah, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, something that's you know, your super fans won't mind paying that. It's worth paying that to get the magazine. Well, so. I try to I, I try to look at it in terms of look, um, forty pounds for a year subscription. That's cheaper than most of the other bike magazine subscriptions anyway. To start with, um, it's the price of a good tire. Uh, mm-hmm. it's half a tank of fuel, <laughs> you know, yeah. if you're driving to the, uh, to the trail center, you know, it's really not a lot of money in the scheme of things. Uh, it's not going to get you a particularly uh, good, um, uh, meal out for two. Uh, it's going to get you a bargain basement meal out for two. If you skip the drink, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> but you, so in terms of, in terms of sort of getting, uh, uh, you know, I, I think, I realize that people have a choice of what to spend their money on. And I realize that there's a lot of information and entertainment out there for riders available for free uh, on the internet. What I'm trying to do with Cranked is I'm, 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 I'm not saying that it's, uh, I'm not saying that it's um, necessarily better than any of that stuff. Uh, uh, it's different and you, you're getting something that you won't find anywhere else. Uh, and uh, you know, uh, Providing value for money is something that you know I'm, I'm very conscious of. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool, all good, all good. So, tell us, Seb, you've been in the industry for a long time. How do you stay motivated? What keeps you interested in it? Well, um, cranked um, because the stories that we cover are so interesting. I mean, genuinely, um, uh, I've, I've having having worked for uh, the. Can I call it the mainstream uh, cycling press? Perhaps I can. Uh, <laughs> having worked for the for the big magazines for so long, you know, I've been on that conveyor belt where every two to three years, you know, the same feature comes around again. You know, um, how to ride with clipless pedals, or 
mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, how to how to cope with riding in mud, you know, um, or even you know the same route guides keep coming up. I mean, you know, there are only so many trails, uh, you know, in a, in a certain part of the country. Um, you know, if you revisit that area once every two or three years, you're going to literally go over the same ground again. And uh, so. Um, Cranch was a breath of fresh air compared with that because by making it very people focused, everybody's got a different story to tell. Every story is unique uh, and it's fascinating and I absolutely love it. So there's nothing to get bored about uh, or bored with because there's always something new coming up. Um, And that's something that I have never experienced before, you know, working for other magazines. And it's it's because of the different focus that we have. Um, I mean, it is it is a luxury. Um, I made a conscious decision that we weren't going to have any product reviews in Crant, um, and that that makes so many problems go away. <laughs> it's yeah, I could I could believe that. It's um, uh, it's fantastic. Um, it gives us so much more freedom. Um, you you just end up with almost no situations where there might be even perceived that, that there's a, a conflict of interest. Yeah, it just goes away. Um, it's fantastic. And so we can, um, we can pretty much print what we want. Um, and there isn't another bike magazine out there that can say that not one, not a single one. Yeah. And I can see how, how doing product reviews would just lead down a rabbit hole of, of misery really well i mean look product reviews have a place and one of the reasons that um i decided not to do it is because there are plenty of other places that you can already get product reviews yeah um and as a as an ex-product reviewer myself um uh i couldn't figure out a way to do it differently enough that it would be worthwhile putting product reviews in cranked and i also think that with a, a quarterly production schedule it's not really relevant um, in fact, mm-hmm. I think product reviews, there's, there's quite a lot of things that probably only belong on the web and product, product reviews arguably is, is one of them. Um, if you had the resources to do it properly, you could set up an absolutely awesome, um, product review website where you can cross reference products and, uh, and, and compare them and, and, and that sort of thing. But that needs the kind of resource that, that the other publishers just don't have. It would be very expensive to do that, so uh, which is why I think nobody's done it. Yeah. So I just decided to leave product reviews to other people and uh, and, and concentrate on the other things. We do have products in Cranked, um, and we, we try to to cover the stories behind them. Yeah, it's a better way of doing it, probably. It's it, it's different. Again, it different. Yeah. It more it makes it more people focused. For example, we had the opportunity to visit the um, SRAM. Um, uh, product development center in Germany um, last year and um, it's quite an interesting story that because not a lot of people realize that um, SRAM's transmissions are pretty much 100% developed in Germany you know it doesn't the, the brand doesn't really have a very European flavor to it um, yeah. if anything it's got quite an American flavor to it, I think but there's a lot of history behind that because SRAM bought uh, German, the German company Sachs, um, a number of years ago, and Sachs had already they had long experience of developing transmissions, 
um, uh, uh, including some experience, uh, you know, in the bicycle side of things. Um, so when we had the opportunity to visit SRAM, um, uh, and it was Mick Kirkman, uh, one of our um, regular contributors, who went out there, and I just said to him, look, I'm less interested in the products and I'm more interested in the people, you know, because there's, there's guys there that have been working on bicycle transmissions for, you know, three decades. I want to hear, wow. I want to hear from them. And yeah. he did. So we, we, he went and he spoke to, you know, a, a bunch of different people and we ended up with, you know, essentially telling the story of how SRAM developed their transmissions through the eyes of the people who work there. And it, you know, it made for a much more interesting story. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I love that angle. I, I love the people angle. You know, it's, yeah, uh, it's 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 a bit harder work um, because, for example, I my my fallback is that I Q and A interviews are quite a a quick and easy way of filling space on a page if you're tight for time because you can send someone. Um, uh, an email <laughs> with 10 questions in they type the answers you do a bit you you correct the spelling mistakes and the grammar and then you just bosh it onto the page you know it's quick and easy mm-hmm. which is why magazines do it quite a lot we have done that on occasion although i try to avoid it um and the reason i try to avoid it is because like this conversation that we're having now when you start a a conversation with someone you never really know where it's going to go and there have been loads of interviews that we've done on cranked where um you you start with a sort of an idea of the sort of questions you might ask and you know uh, some sort of idea of where it goes and it ends up going off in a completely different direction and that's fine sometimes the direction it goes off in by accident is more interesting than the angle that you had to start with um and so it's quite a lot of work to transcribe an interview um you know when you're doing it face to face if you if you come back from an interview and you've got an hour and a half's worth of of uh of interview to transcribe yeah i mean you know it's time consuming it'd probably take me a day to do that and then you've got to sit and pick out the, the you know pick out the good bits but um it's worth it because it's so much more valuable than doing a, a straightforward q a yeah so you would try and meet the meet the uh, person face to face and do it that way yeah that's my default position is to do it that way and if you can't do it that way then then uh, some kind of q a is a is a fallback but but we do try to avoid that because it just doesn't work as well yeah 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 because i read the uh, i read the interview you done with um with chris from dv at cycle yes so did you physically go and meet him and see the product and yeah. do all that? Yeah, more than once. Yeah, I mean, and that's the that's the other thing is that you often in the magazine, you you know, you don't see the the time that goes into some of these features. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I spent um, I spent a lot of time talking to Chris. Um, you know, a lot of it was off the record and just just chatting away. But um, and when we did the we did the interview on top of that. But yeah, I mean, you know, there was uh, I probably there's probably I mean, aside from the the writing and the layout and and so on, there's there's probably three days' work in that feature. Yeah, wow. Plus, wow. plus the writing and and all the rest of it. Three days just just being there, talking, getting the pictures, understanding the background, all that sort. Of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, have you got a favourite person that you've interviewed in the past, or somebody that surprised you, or? Uh, 
Or have you a nightmare interview? <laughs> um, Mike Hall. Um, so Mike is the endurance rider who sadly died uh, last year in an accident in Australia. Um, mm -hmm. And um, I went to interview him a few months before uh, his accident. And... Uh, he surprised me. In fact, that's one of those interviews that went off on a completely different tangent from where I was expecting it to go. Um, uh, I mean, Mike, uh, for, for anybody who's not, uh, you know, who's not familiar with Mike, Mike just set incredible endurance um, records. He, he, um, he uh, smashed the previous record for riding the tour divide. Uh, for example, I mean, I, I forget the, I forget the, 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 the figures you you know it's easy enough to find online but he absolutely he's just incredible athlete um you know go out on these um multi-week long um rides entirely self-supported you know, he'd be riding um i don't know 20 hours a day every single day um just just smashing out these miles uh and he wasn't at all what i expected um you would expect, well, I expected someone like that to be um, quite sort of confident, um, outwardly confident, um, and mm -hmm. perhaps quite um, to, to, to outwardly look like an athlete. And Mike was this sort of uh, slight and uh, sort of self-effacing, um, really humble person uh, who... Uh, and I mean, the gist of our conversation was his. He kept insisting that anybody could do what he did. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I kept finding different ways to say, "Really? Are you?" <laughs> <laughs> and he kept keep approaching it from another angle. But it was made for an absolutely fascinating conversation because we ended up talking about the 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 way that an ability to keep pushing yourself like that is as much psychological as it is physiological. So it's not just about the training and being an incredible athlete. It's about, it's about wanting to do it and believing you can do it and finding ways to trick your brain into just not saying, right, that's it. I've had enough. We need to stop and sleep now, but you know, keep pedaling for another hour, you know, get another 10 miles. Yeah. And that records are broken. And it was fascinating. He, he was, I, I, I left that interview with a completely different view of what it takes to be that kind of athlete, and it isn't what you, it isn't what you expect at all. Yeah, it's funny because I had a gentleman called Jer Jackson from Dublin on the on the uh, podcast, and he's a twenty four hour racer, enduro, an enduro racer. Yeah. And I was expecting him to be all gung ho, you know, kind of marine type style. Yeah. And he was the most leg backed chilled out guy yeah yeah i i think it sounds like you had similar expectations <laughs> yeah um yeah and i'm i think that uh then it there may be something in that sort of mindset that makes for you know a good endurance racer but it's fascinating yeah it really is it's, it's i'd also sonia looney on the show who's a professional endurance athlete from the state yeah um She's just so inspiring. But, you know, she goes through, you'd think somebody like that that races 100 miles off-road, 
you would think that they have everything in order. But, you know, she goes through the same difficulties and the motivational stuff that we all do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's almost refreshing to see that or hear that, you know. Yeah, uh, but it also sort of removes that excuse, doesn't it? <laughs> when you yeah. realise that these really successful athletes um, go through the same uh, the same difficulties that the rest of us do, you can't fall back on that as an excuse for not doing it anymore, can you? <laughs> um, it's just an ability, you know, a better ability to overcome, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, Jerry, have you got anybody who's on your bucket list for the magazine? Oh, in terms of wanting to interview? Yeah. Um, no, honestly, no. Um, I, I'm more interested in an interesting story than a, you know, than a big name for the sake of a big name. Um, yeah. And no, I, I, I'm probably sorry. That's not probably a very helpful answer. But I, I mean, no, that's a great honestly, answer. That's a great answer. Honestly, I'm as interested in uh, in talking to you know a young up and coming rider. Um, who nobody's ever heard of, as I would be talking to, I don't know, you know, Steve Pete or, you know, one of the really big names. Um, in fact, I'm no no disrespect to Petey, but I'm probably more interested in the up and coming rider. Um, in some ways, they they might have a more interesting story to tell, and importantly, um, it's a story that they won't have told multiple times before. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, I think that's that's an awesome answer because it, it, you know, it ties in with the magazine. Yeah, um, it really does. Uh, I mean, yeah, it is, uh, yeah, we we you know, we do cover the big names, but I, it, it's it all comes back down to sort of sort of digging beneath, digging beneath the sort of um, veneer of mountain biking and finding the stories perhaps that nobody else has bothered to tell in quite that way. You know. That, Mm -hmm. the the SRAM story is an example of that but there's you know there's loads of others um so um and and that's you know it's that aspect of it that keeps me interested it's uh uh my you know my gamble was that there would be other people interested in that as well and that it turns out that um yeah I was right about that which is lucky (laughs) yeah cool cool um, so, do you ever get any downtime, Seb, or are you working from one, you know, one lunch date to the next? Does it just keep going all the time? Yeah, there's a, yeah, there is, <laughs> there is a little bit of that. Um, I mean, it, it is, it is a great job, but it is, uh, it is all consuming. I, it's certainly not the case that because we're publishing every three months, I have a lot of downtime. Um, uh, so, I mean, for example, we've got a very, very busy June coming up. Um, uh, Cranked is going to be at um, various events throughout June. Um, uh, uh, Are you taking the Cranked wine? Yes, yeah. Um, uh, so we're going to be at the MTB meetup in Hlandegla, and then we're going to be at the Mormons Classic, uh, and then at uh, Bristol Bike Fest. And that's pretty much the whole of June taken up. Uh, wow! Yeah. So, um, and then beyond that, uh, in July, uh, we'll be I'll be well into um, getting the next issue ready, and then the whole thing starts again. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you keep yourself busy. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So, is there anything different planned for the next issue or future issues? Anything slightly different, or anything we can expect to be slightly different? Ah. Uh, uh, only only that each issue is is unique um and um you know there there is no formula um 
you know, we 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 follow up the stories that uh, seem the most interesting at the time, and then they uh, they go into the next issue. And it seems to have worked so, uh, well so far. Uh, I mean, I I still do a little bit of a double take. I've got I've got each issue of Cranked on my own bookshelf at home, and you know, thirteen issues alongside each other. It's quite a big chunk of bookshelf. And I'm thinking, <laughs> wow, <laughs> who'd have thought? Uh, yeah, but. Um, yeah, onwards and upwards. Um, you know, as long as people keep enjoying what we're doing, um, then um, we'll 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 keep doing that. Um, that seems to be the case. So awesome. So listen, I've taken up enough of your time, Sam. Um, but how can people best follow your adventures and get in contact with you? Um, well, um, the website is um, cranked.cc, um, but you'll also find us on um, all the big social media accounts. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, so just do a search and uh, you'll you'll find us. Um, give us a follow. Um, Facebook is probably where we where I do the the most frequent updates. Um, probably gives more, gives away my age a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not the social media of choice, but uh, uh, for uh, for younger people. But um, it seems to work quite well for our readership. Um, that's probably the best thing. Um, pick up a copy if you see it in your um, local shop. Consider taking out a subscription. It is only the price of a tyre, um, and it'll keep you, uh, keep you happily occupied for a year. So, Yeah, and is that what helps the magazine the most as a, a subscription? Is that what's best for you, is it? Um, yes. I mean, you know, we value um, every single reader. Um, I, I don't mind, uh, you know, if you buy it in Smith's or even if you – to, to some extent even if you read a mate's copy if it uh, makes you aware of the mag that's great um but yeah i mean in terms of um helping us to plan and grow for the future subscriptions are yeah. fantastic because uh, it really helps our cash flow um all the money um that um you know we raise from um subscriptions goes back into making the mag better um and uh you know i hope that we can carry on doing that for years to come brilliant brilliant well listen seb thanks so much for coming on the show it's been great to to chat to you and uh it's awesome to get a magazine on on the podcast and i'm kind of glad it's cranked as well because i'm really digging it <laughs> good i'm glad you like it are you going to take out a subscription i am <laughs> but i am but the reason i haven't is because i'm actually moving so i don't know my new address yet <laughs> oh that's no problem it's easy to change the address uh, we're, we're all set up for that right grand um so yeah I'm, I'm actually moving in a couple of weeks so oh well maybe leave it until after then then yeah fair enough yeah yeah so once i do that um i will certainly i will certainly subscribe it'll be a nice it'll be it'll be nice a wee it'll be a nice wee surprise seeing it popping through the letterbox you know yeah. Every every three months or so, that'll be cool. I tell you what, um, uh, anyone who subscribes after hearing this podcast, uh, drop me a line to let me know that uh, you heard about Cranked um, on the podcast, and I will send you a free T-shirt to go with yours. Wow, that's awesome. That's pretty cool, eh? I will certainly put that in the show notes and everything else then. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's seems, great. Seems that's only awesome. fair. We've got some. We've got some great T-shirts. They're available on the website, um, but I'm very happy to send a, a free one to uh, a, a anybody who subscribes uh, th through the um, NTB Tribe podcast. 
through the podcast. And can they put anything on when there's? Can they put a note on when they're subscribing or anything to say that? Yeah, say, uh, the, the best the best way to do it um, is to use the contact form on the website after they've after they've put their subscription through. Put a, um, send a uh, drop me a line through the contact form on the website um, just to say that, um, uh, that they uh, just to mention the podcast. Put two and two together um, uh, and uh, get a T-shirt on its way. Awesome. That's brilliant. Happy day. I'll do that myself when I subscribe. <laughs> Good idea to, to tell me what size they want as well. Yeah, totally. Yeah, no. I'll put something like that on the show notes so they know what's happening and stuff, and I'll mention it on the podcast. Yeah. Brilliant, Seb. So, listen, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it, and I, ha- I hope everything goes well for you in the future and the magazine just goes from strength to strength, and you might have to employ somebody else full-time as well at some stage. <laughs> I, uh, that would be nice. Um, I'd, have a, I'd have, a bit, have a bit more time to ride my bike as well. Yeah, exactly. So, listen here. Take the rest of the day off, will you? Go out on your bike <laughs> and enjoy yourself. Thanks, Gareth. All the best, Seb. Thanks. Cheers, bye. That's a wrap for episode 39, folks. Episode 39, my word. Um, so, Seb, thanks so much for coming on the show. I really do appreciate it. I loved chatting with you. It was really good to get you on the show, and I know the listeners will think the same. So thanks so much. So, guys, if you want to know more about Cranked Magazine, get your hands on a copy, whatever you need to do. Just go to the show notes at mtb-tribe.com. All Seb's links are on there. You can get in contact via there. Um, you can also get in contact with the show through socials. Instagram, we are at MTV Tribe and Facebook, MTV Tribe. But now for the good stuff. Do you want a free crank t-shirt? Okay, so Seb has very kindly offered MTV Tribe podcast listeners a free crank t-shirt when they subscribe to the magazine. So simply subscribe and then pop Seb a message via the website using the contact form and let him know you signed up because of listening to the MTB Tribe podcast. He will then send you a free tea. It's as easy as that. Now, just remember to include your address and your T-shirt size, obviously. So um, thanks very much, Seb, for doing that. I really appreciate it. And um, I hope everything goes great for you this year with the magazine, as I'm sure it certainly will. So, folks, thanks so much for listening. If you want to get in contact with the show, just simply go to mtb-tribe.com. There's a contact form on there. You can also subscribe to the show and help people see the show and um, get the download numbers up, which is always good. Helps in iTunes. And if you do listen via iTunes, please rate the show, share with friends. It lets people see the show and um, it just helps me get the word out to more people and hopefully keep them stoked on the trails. So, folks, thanks for being here. I really do appreciate it. And I will see you next week for another exciting MTV Tribe podcast. Take care on the trails, folks. Bye-bye.